Life comes with the unexpected. The unexpected change of plans, the unexpected detour, the unexpected hurt. You didn't see it coming. You were taken by surprise. He shows up in ways we would have never imagined. And there, he reveals his glory. In that moment, for those who believe, the unplanned and unscheduled leads to something else unexpected. The arrival of joy. and welcome to uh, December at Vertical Church. We're glad you're here to worship with us today and hear God's word and be, be trained by it. Amen? Amen? It's a process of walking with Jesus, right? It's not just a, uh, a one-stop event. We are born again in a one event, a singular event, but then begins a process of growth and training. And he walks us through training in our life. You know, when our kids were young, we uh, were about the process of training. And uh, one of the things we wanted all of our kids to know and do was to say thank you when they were given something. And to say please when they were asking for something. And to respond to other grown-ups with yes, ma'am, yes, sir. That's a training experience, right, parents? It doesn't just come natural. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. It doesn't just come natural. They don't just come out of the womb saying, yes, ma'am. Thank you. It's, it's a process. Yeah, it'd be nice if they did, but it doesn't work that way. And you're, you're continually training. You don't just say it one day and they get it, you know. You have to remind them every time something is given to them, you say, you say thank you. And yes, sir. And yes, ma'am. And you, you train them in that process, and it's fun to watch uh, our kids now training their kids in that. And so uh, Riley will come over, and she's still learning that, of course. And so sometimes she's added a little extra because her parents have taught her a little extra, and she'll say, thank you so much. <laughs> Man, it just does a granddaddy heart good to hear that. Like, what else do you want, honey? You know, <laughs> you know how that goes, though, right? Grandparents, Yeah. Thank you so much. Just a little lift on the end there. Thank you so much. It's just awesome. But it's a process. It's such a training that you have to go through. And as believers, we go through a process of training because events come into our life that we may not at first understand. God brings events into our life that we might not totally know the end result of what it's going to be. And it's important even when it begins for us to say, thank you. Thank you so much. But that's hard sometimes when that event is challenging, painful, and you don't understand yet what it means. And God brings us through times in life where the unexpected happens, not because he's out to get us but because he wants to win our heart and for us to fully experience all that he is. Amen? It's a training process. I want to begin today with kind of a point. I want to tell you where we're going before we get there. Here it is. God will interrupt your expected routine with unexpected plans so that you can know deeper wonders of Jesus. Man. I'm a guy of routine. I like for things to go a certain way. I plan my day. I plan my week. I plan what goes on. I like to set kind of goals and, and plans. And they don't always work. Let me just say that again. They never work like I planned them. They don't, they don't, all, they don't go like I thought they were going to go. And in that moment, you can choose to get frustrated, which I do a lot, or you can plan to say, you know what, God, thank you so much. I don't know where this is headed. I don't know where you're going, but thank you so much. But that's a training process that I'm still in. I'm still in that 101 class of all of that. But this is where our message is taking us today because... The Christmas story is filled with the unexpected. It's about people who had made some plans for their life. We, if you've been around 
church and faith much, you know the story of Mary, a young woman, young woman, who had planned her life. She is to be married. She's got the plans out in front of her. Life is hopeful. Life is good. I don't know what all was in her thoughts, but one day God showed up in an unexpected, unplanned way, time, and all of a sudden her life was upended. She was about to become the mother to the Son of God. She was going to become pregnant before she'd ever been with a man. God was going to do something miraculous. Her life and her plans would be totally upended. Her routine that she had would be totally changed. It would be an unexpected event that God was going to do in her life. And through that, we would all be impacted. Amen? When you read that story, and you kind of you come to the end of the conversation that Mary has with an angel, which just by itself is difficult to take in that you're having a conversation with an angel. At the end of that conversation, Mary says what we probably should all say. Let me just take out probably. What we should all say. Lord, may it be to me according to your word. If you say it, I'm it. What you say about me, I accept. Thank you so much. That's what, that's what we should do, no matter what it is. So we know that part of the story. But there's another fascinating part of her story that if you look carefully is actually interwoven into the story of Mary. It comes from Luke chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there with me today. If you've got a Bible app, turn there. If you want to follow me on screen, take pictures of the screen, you're welcome to do that. Luke chapter 1 tells the story where Mary met an angel from God. But before that, there's another person introduced that's part of the story but usually doesn't make his way into the flannel graph Christmas story. Usually is not part of the ceramic set that's on the fireplace. He's not in the manger scene, but he's a very important part of the Christmas story. It's about a man named Zacharias. He's married to a woman named Elizabeth. I'll go ahead and tell you ahead of time, they become the parents of the man we know as John the Baptist. All right, so there's your spoiler alert. I've already kind of given that to you. But when we meet them here in our story... They're just Zacharias and Elizabeth. There's some things about them that are kind of special, but in reality, they're just like you and me. They're common folks, serving God, doing their thing, living life, trying to obey God. And it's into some very common people that God will do something very uncommon. That's what he likes to do. He doesn't look for those who are uh, the most wealthy, the most popular, the most successful and say, ooh, 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 I, I want to use them. He looks to people that are common, that are part of life, that are living out their life. And he says, ooh, 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 that's who I want to do something special in. They can't imagine how I could do something great, but I'm going to. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, tells us this. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. It's interesting to me that it says he was a certain priest. He wasn't just, you know, the, the priest of all priests. He wasn't like the most notable. He didn't have the most likes on priest book. He was just, you with me? He, he was just a certain priest. He was just a common regular priest of which in this day, it's believed there were thousands and he was just one of them. Like all the rest he was just one, a certain priest. Verse 6 and 7 says, And they were both righteous before God, 
walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. Serving God, involved in ministry, a certain priest, one of many, they both kept the law, sought to live righteously, and yet in all of that, there was something about them that caused a heartache within them. Watch this. They're serving God, doing all they can to please him, walk in all of his ways, and yet there was still a heartache. They were childless. She was barren. Now, that can be a challenge in any culture. But in this culture, to not have a child was to not have a future, offspring, even an identity as a woman. And even for a husband to think, I have no child to pass my name on to, to pass on what God has done in my life. And here they were, childless. Elizabeth is unable to have a child. And what makes it a little bit more serious is the last words of these verses here. They are both well advanced in years. In other words, there were probably were some days where they thought, let's just keep praying, Elizabeth. I believe God's going to give us a child one day. And those days had really come, and those days had gone. It was past the time. Their hopes had turned into this settled impossibility. It's not going to be. And so here they are, a couple serving God, living with this heartache. Verse 8 and 9 says, So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. He's one of many. But on this day, at this time, the occasion has come up in the list of those chosen. Zacharias, the lot has fallen to you. We've drawn names and Zacharias, you're up. You have been chosen to go into the temple and you are the one who will burn incense before the Lord. You will go into the temple and there is a place where you, are, you will offer incense as a symbolic picture of the prayers of God's people being lifted up to the Lord. Zacharias, this is your time. You go before the people. They will wait. They know you will offer up the incense that is symbolic of their prayers being lifted up to the Lord. Zacharias, this is your time. Verse 10. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Verse 11 tells us that while he's there, while he's serving God in the temple of God, something miraculous happens. And this story is so close to Mary's story, but yet so far in the way they both respond. It says that while he was there, it says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Now, I don't know what your experience in reading or seeing movies has been when you come to picture in your mind what this might have looked like. I know everybody in the room this morning is attempting to formulate some kind of picture in their mind of what this must have been like. This was not some floating little angelic beating you know, that's you know, up in the corner or something. No, if an angel appeared in Scripture, an angel was a majestic warrior who was full of size and brilliance and power. 
power and greatness. And so here is Zacharias in the temple in which there should have been no one else at the time. And all of a sudden, while he's doing his duty there, serving the Lord, an angel appears majestic in size and power and might. And we know that it is none other than Gabriel from what we're going to read in the rest of the passage here. And he shows up. And all of a sudden, this room that is dimly lit and very reverent and quiet, all of a sudden is filled with brilliant light and the very presence of God. Wow. In fact, it is so overwhelming that it says that he was troubled and fear fell upon him. I mean, this is one of those moments where he's like, ah! I was not expecting that, right? It's an unexpected moment. It had been a long time since anything even like this had happened. In fact, if you were to go backwards in Scripture and look, when was the last time something miraculous happened? When was the last time God showed up on the earth in some miraculous way? You would have had to have gone back 500 years. The last time some recorded miracle of some, of some kind had happened, it was to Daniel in the lion's den. That's how long ago it was. 500 years back. 500 years is a long time. 500 years today backwards takes us to, oh, you know, right around the time Columbus is discovering. Mm-hmm. It's a long time. A long time. 500 years. Suddenly, Zacharias is interrupted. Scripture says next, verse 13, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Zacharias, you've been praying. You've been praying a long time, and I'm here to tell you, God has heard your prayer. Should give us a little bit of encouragement for whatever it is you've been praying for. Whatever it is you think, man, I've been praying for that for a week. I've been praying for that for a whole month. Zachariah says, I got all y'all beat. It's been going on for decades. And finally, God says, I've heard your prayer. Don't give up on what God has put in your heart. You keep praying. He might be waiting until the time that it actually is impossible for it to happen before he makes it a possibility for it to happen. Because he gets the glory at that time, not you and not me. Amen? So here we are. He gives him this word, Zacharias, God's heard your prayer. Zacharias, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a son, Zacharias. I know that's what's been in your heart. I know that's what you've longed for. I know that's what you've wanted. He, he's, he's heard your prayer. And not only, not only are you going to have a son, I'm going to give you his name, Zacharias. The, the common practice was for a dad to name his first son after himself, Zacharias. Here's Zacharias. The angel says, no. I want you to name him John. And Zacharias, you're going to have joy and gladness. And there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be glad at his birth. In fact, it goes on, verse 15, it says, For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Zacharias, your son is going to be used by God. Zacharias, he's been called for a purpose. Zacharias, as a priest, would have known what the law had said. That the law said, if you were a priest, a prophet, or a king, not only were you to not get drunk, you were not to even drink wine or strong drink. Because, the Old Testament would say, to do so could cause you to not think clearly and you would end up making a decision 
in your role as prophet, priest, or king that could endanger the lives of so many. So he will not drink wine or strong drink. And, and Zacharias, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. God is going to be all over him. God is going to be in him. He has a purpose. And he says in verse 16, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Zacharias, I know you've been praying for a child. And Zacharias, I know you've been praying for your people because as a priest, you've watched. You've watched the hearts of your people come and be part of religious routine, but their hearts are far from me. God would know that. Zacharias would know that. He'd watch people come into the temple area. He'd watch people bring their sacrifices. He would know their lives and think, you people, you break my heart. You go through these religious routines, but you keep on living in the same way you've been living. And all of a sudden, God says, Zacharias, your son is going to be used to turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Their hearts are going to be changed. He's going to have national impact. He's going to have eternal impact, Zacharias. This is greater than what you could have imagined. Zacharias, God has heard your prayer, and he's not only answering it, but he's doing far more than that. Zacharias, he's going to be used by the Lord. Verse 17 says, He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias, your son is going to be the one who will announce the very name of Jesus. He will introduce him to the world. He will recognize him. Zacharias, your son is going to make waves in this world. God has planned for this. He's Zechariah, what do you think about this? Zechariah, what, what do you think about all this? God's saying this to you. What do you think? You'd think this would be one of those moments that Zacharias would say, thank you so much. That's what you should say in this moment. That's what you should be trained to say. That's what you should know to do. You may not be able to figure it out. You may say, I don't know how that's going to happen. I'm old and she's up in years, and I don't know how this is going to happen, but thank you so much. That, that should be what you say. Mary would find a way to say that, but I want you to see how Zacharias responds. Verse 18, and Zacharias said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Zacharias was a smart guy, right? He calls himself old, and his wife is just advanced in years. Smart guy. And the New King James here kind of paints it like it's not so bad. You know, it's like, well, how shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. But if you look more beneath the wording it really went more like, are you crazy? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There is no way that could come to pass. I'm old and she is too. <laughs> That's really more of what you get here. God, I hear you. I heard exactly what you said, but that seems absolutely ridiculous and impossible. There is no way that could ever come to pass. Wow, what a contrast between this response and Mary who would say, may it be to me according to your word. Mm. Zacharias dismisses it. Zacharias hears clearly. He doesn't have a problem hearing, but he dismisses it. And he's even kind of got a reason to how can I know this? Because here's what Zacharias would say. From what I know about life, I'm old, she's advanced in years, 
I don't see how that could happen. That seems like an impossibility. I can't understand that, so it can't be true. This is, in effect, what Zacharias was saying. I don't see how it can be, so therefore it must not be. Mm. It's tempting sometimes when God speaks to us and gives us great news to stop and analyze it and think for a moment, hmm, well, let me see. How can that be? Jesus came and died for my sins. How can that be? How can a man who lived a long time ago take my sins that I hadn't even committed yet, how can he take those upon himself, die for those, and call me forgiven if I believe and receive Jesus Christ into my life? I don't understand how that can be. You see what's happening there? I'm trying to understand something eternal that I can't fit into my pea-sized brain. Amen? Amen. And God's ways, God's word is higher than man's ways. They're bigger. They're, they're beyond what we think. They're beyond our ways. So when God begins to speak, he's looking for those who will hear what he says. And he's looking for those who will say, I don't know if I understand that, but thank you so much. They'll just receive it. That is what the Bible calls faith. If you hear what God says and you try to figure it out first and then you end up not doing it, that is not faith. That's walking by what the Bible calls sight. If I can see it and understand it, then I'll do it. And God's not looking for that group of people. He's looking for those who will say, I trust you. I believe you. Thank you so much. I'll walk in that. I will believe that. And this is not happening here for Zacharias. And I want you to remember, this is happening for Zacharias while he's in the temple. This is happening for Zacharias while he's serving God. This is happening for Zacharias when he's offering up incense, praying, praying, serving God in the temple. Verse 19 tells us how the angel responds. It says, And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. In other words, are you crazy? Do you not know? I'm not just any angel. I am Gabriel, the messenger angel from God. I have been in his presence. I heard him speak. I heard him send me, and I've come from there to come to you, and I'm announcing these good tidings. I'm bringing you good news. I'm bringing you something bigger than what you could have ever imagined. Zacharias, I have been sent here for this moment. Verse 20, and behold, I'm sorry, but behold, Gabriel says, look here, Zacharias, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. Zacharias, I came here with good news directly from God's presence. I was there, then I was here. And I'm speaking to you what he just spoke to me. There's no big time delay. I came from there to here to you to speak. And you are saying no. You're saying it can't be. You are disbelieving. You are doubting. You're dismissing what God has said to you. Zacharias, I've got some news for you. Until this comes to pass, because you didn't believe, here's what's going to happen. You are going to be unable to speak, and you're going to be unable to hear until the day 
this all comes to pass. Can you imagine what began to race through his mind as he starts thinking about what is going to play out now if this is all true? That his wife will become pregnant. A woman who is well advanced in years, who by all accounts should not be able to become pregnant, but she will. And Zacharias, you're not going to be able to hear a word of her conversation because you are going to be made deaf. You're not going to be able to hear her excitement. You're not going to be able to hear her joy. You're not going to be able to hear her tears. You're not going to be able to hear the people in the community. You're not going to be able to hear anyone. In fact, Zacharias, you're not even going to be able to talk to anybody about this. You have just been silenced. You've just been put in a bubble. Life is going to go on. God is going to do what he's going to do, but you will not get to experience it like everyone else. You're going to be a spectator outside of the event for a while. Wow. Not hearing Mary. I'm sorry, Elizabeth. Not hearing the people that come to visit. Not being able to tell your friends. Not being able to tell the other priests. Not being able to carry on the duties that a priest held. You see, when he was not in the temple serving, a priest would have been teaching and counseling others, and that all ends because you can't talk and you won't be able to hear. He's been put on pause. How'd you like that? You're walking along in life, God speaks, God's gonna do something incredible, but you're gonna be put on pause. It'll all still go on around you, but you'll hear nothing and be able to say nothing. And it's because you didn't believe the good news. When God interrupts our life with the unexpected, there's one response that's a right response. Another response, like Zacharias causes us to get to a place where we can't hear. Have you ever been in a place in your life where all of a sudden it felt like you haven't heard God in a while? Have you ever been in a place where all of a sudden the passion that you had for speaking, talking about God, what he's doing in your life, became less than it ever had been before? as though your faith was put on pause. That's what's happening for Zacharias. He won't hear, and he has no voice to speak. The passage goes on in verse 21, and it says, And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered for so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. For he beckoned to them and remained speechless. You imagine Zacharias having that kind of experience. And he comes out of the temple. And all of a sudden everyone's gathered there. And they're waiting to see and hear what God has said. And he's like. <laughs> it's like, what happened to that guy? Something happened to him in there. We don't know what it is, and he can't even explain it. He is speechless in this moment. When you read on through verses 23 through 56, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I want to tell you what happens during the pause, while his pause button is on. You see, in the story during this time, Elizabeth will become pregnant. The Bible says that she'll actually hide herself for five months. She'll keep herself away. 
We don't know why. It could be because of her advanced age. She's like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just going to stay on bed rest for a while. It might have been because she didn't have her husband to go out with her, and it was going to look awkward if he's out, and he's like, you know. But she stays hidden for five months. But also during this time, during this time, is when an angel would show up to Mary and speak to her, and she would say, may it be to me according to your word. Thank you so much. That is what she would say. And Mary would need someone to go to. And the Bible says that she would go to a relative during this time, and guess who that relative was? Elizabeth. Mary, having found out she's carrying the Son of God, Having found out that this baby that will be born from her will be the redeemer, the savior, and the king, she goes to Elizabeth and Zachariah's house, and she goes in announcing to Elizabeth everything that God has done in her life. And here is Zachariah sitting in the corner. He could see her arms waving. He can see her mouth moving. But he can't hear what she is saying. He is missing out on what God has done because he won't walk forward in what God has done in his own life. He's been put on pause. All of this is happening and Mary will stay in his house. For three months she will stay there. For three months he'll watch Elizabeth and Mary together sharing and laughing and crying and talking together, and he won't get to experience any of it. It's during this time that the Bible records that Mary actually sang a song, one of the most beautiful songs recorded in the New Testament about what God has done in her life. And I imagine they were sitting there, and maybe Mary has gotten up early one morning And she goes outside and she's singing this song of worship to God. And Elizabeth is listening. And Zacharias is clueless. He can't hear her worship. He can't hear because his life has been put on pause. The scripture picks back up in verse 57 and it says, Now Elizabeth's full time for her to be delivered Our full time came for her to be delivered. And she brought forth a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. Who is missing in these verses? Zacharias. He's there, but he's missing out on all of it. The neighbors came, the relatives heard. It doesn't say that Zacharias heard. It says they rejoiced with her. It doesn't say that Zacharias rejoiced with her. And it doesn't even say that they rejoiced with her and Zacharias. Just with her. He's missing out on so much. Verse 59 says, it, so it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise. That was what the law commanded, that a child would be circumcised on the eighth day. The child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. But they said to her, there's no No one among your relatives who is called by this name. Why John? There's no John in your family. Why are you calling him John? So they made signs to his father what he would have him called. He can't hear. He can't speak. They make signs to him. Verse 63. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying... His name is John. Mm. So they all marveled. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke praising God. Wow. 
It's eight days after John had been born. It's on this occasion when he's being circumcised. It's on this day. And Zacharias is still speechless until he finally puts into action what God had told him. It's when he wrote, his name is John. It's when he put into action what God had spoken in his heart. I don't know if it was up until this moment that it actually all clicked. I don't know if it was finally in this moment that he finally realized this has happened. What the angel said has come to pass, but in this writing, his name is John, in that moment is when his mouth was loosed. It's in that moment that all of a sudden he could talk again. And the very first words out of his mouth are not, whoo, man, that was a long time to be quiet. That's not what happened. He immediately starts praising God. It has been pent up. He's been silenced. He's been on pause. And finally, when he acts on what God has said, he is set free and he is filled with worship in this moment. The pause button has been released, and it's time to speak of the glory of God. Wow. That's not in the normal Christmas story, but it's part of the story. And if you want to know the story, you got to know the stories around the story. What a contrast. What a beautiful picture here. I want us to make some application because into our lives, God will bring some unexpected interruptions. God will allow some things to come into your life, as he probably already has, that will interrupt the flow. That will all of a sudden interrupt your routine. You had your life planned. You had your day planned. You had it all scheduled out. And all of a sudden, God interrupts it with something you could not have planned for or imagined. And it is incredibly good. How will you respond? A few truths here today as we wrap this up. First truth is this. God begins new work in our life with an interruption and an unexpected message. This is how he works. You know those big things that you pray for? You know those things that you really want to see happen in your life? The big stuff. You know, reconciliation of relationships, a restoration of hope into your life a real sense of really connecting with God, a real sense of peace in your life. Maybe it's even something beyond that, something that God wants to do, bigger than what you actually want to do. Those moments begin with little conversations from God to you. That's where it starts. It begins that way. It doesn't just start up big. It starts small. It started for Zacharias with a conversation while he was at church one day, worshiping God one day, trying to follow God one day. All of a sudden, God showed up unexpected, interrupted his routine. This is how God does it. You look back through scripture, it's the, it's the pattern. Jonah is going about his life, God interrupts him with an unexpected calling to go and preach to Nineveh. Abraham and Sarah, they're also very up in years. Barren, most thought incapable of having children. And God says, you're going to have a child. You're going to be the father of a nation and nations. He's going to interrupt their life. Moses, he's going to get interrupted and be told he's going to deliver his people. Joseph is going to be interrupted and his life will be filled with unexpected events because he's going to become a rescuer to his family and nation. All of them began with a conversation. All of them began with a thought. All of them began somewhere and God does the same for us. I hope You don't see this today as just some religious event you're attending. I hope you see this as a moment in time in which you've come to meet with God. 
Because it is in moments like this that he will begin that very conversation where he will say something to you that at first you will think, what was that? Where did that thought come from? I've never thought that thought before. I've never felt this way before. Look here. That is God. He is speaking to you. And if he's speaking according to his word and his spirit and his power is at work in you, it's time to respond with, thank you so much. It's time to say, yes, Lord, because this is where it begins. But you have to be trained to respond that way. You have to be trained to know this is how you're supposed to respond when he speaks. This is what you do. It's the pattern. He'll give you a thought all of a sudden. He'll give you a desire all of a sudden to see a relationship brought back together. He'll give you a thought for how he could use you in your lifetime. He'll give you a thought about your family. He'll give you an impression about a direction in your life. He'll start all of that with just a thought. It'll be something that'll catch you off guard. It'll be something different than what you thought before. It'll be something that It'll interrupt where you are. It'll be something unexpected. And in that moment, he's starting something big. Amen? A tree, a vine, a plant starts with a seed. A very tiny seed planted in the soil. So this morning, as we're continuing, if you If you sense God speaking, pay attention. It starts small. Our second point today, don't dismiss it as not being from God because it's unexpected or unexplainable. That's what's tempting to do. In our um, natural way of thinking, our uh, 21st century Americanized logical way of thinking, we want to be able to try to figure it out first. We've become so dependent upon ourselves and processes that we think, well, I need to think about this for a while first. I need to try to plan this out first. I need to see how I can make this happen first. And we put ourselves first instead of saying, God, I don't understand it. It's bigger than what I thought. I can't understand how it's even going to all come to pass. But I want to be like Mary and not like Zacharias. I want to say thank you so much, not that's crazy. If it's big, if it's unexpected, if it's unexplainable, and it's consistent with Scripture, it's God. It's not you. If you had a thought this morning for, I need to give my life to Jesus. If you had a thought this morning for, I need to fully surrender every part of my life to Jesus. If you had a thought this morning of, I need to reconcile to those that I've been distant from. If you had those thoughts, they're not from you. They're from God. Amen? Don't dismiss it because you think, well, I don't see how that could happen. I don't understand that. I'm not sure I understand how that could ever play out. It's not for you to understand. It's for you to obey. It's for you to walk into. If I only walked into what I could figure out, if that's how any of us approach life, we would have no Faith. I can't understand how God could love me from before time began. I can't understand how my sin would cause Jesus to have to be crucified on a cross. I can't understand how his dying for me can set me free when I choose to believe. I can't understand how he can work in my life and make all things work together for his good. I can't understand how one day he's going to take me home and I'll forever be with him in glory. I can't understand all of that. And if I waited till I understood all of that, I'd never take a step anywhere in the process. Don't dismiss it because you can't understand it. 
I recognize it's natural to do that. I recognize that Abraham and Sarah said, I don't know how this could be. Let's try to work this out on our own. I understand how Moses would say, I don't think this is going to work out. I'm going to not do this. I get it. I understand how Jonah could say, I don't see how going to Nineveh is going to do anything. I, but every one of them eventually did what God had told them to do. The next point today, the right response to God is inward faith and an outward step. You see, you and I like to operate like this. Let me understand it, then I'll do it. That's how we operate. Let me read the instructions, then I'll put it all together, which is a smart thing to do, by the way, if you're talking about bookshelves and swing sets. <laughs> but when it comes to faith, it requires first, okay, God, I'll do it. And I'll trust you completely to work it all out. When Heather and I were young, um, we believed God had called us to have children. Not just a child. Not just two. Not just three. We would eventually have five. And if somewhere along the way we had stopped and put a pen and paper to the whole deal, mm -mm. right? You think, hey, in the end, this is going to cost you $700,000, and that's just for the first two. No, I mean, now it's crazy. But if somewhere along the way you put a pencil to how much it was going to cost you financially, the nights you were going to stay awake, that you were going to lose some sleep, the nights you were going to be filled with some worry and concern, the days you were going to have some conflict with those very children that you gave birth to, the days you were wondering, what's going to happen to them? If you'd put all that on paper first, you might think, I don't know about this whole thing. But you take steps like that by faith because God's put it in your heart and you do it and then he works out all the details. Amen? That's what you do. The right response is inward faith and an outward step. You, you do what God has said to do even though you can't figure out how it's going to come to pass. You think, well, I don't know about going and talking to that person I've been I've had a broken relationship with. I just, you know, I'm afraid if I go to them and I work it out in my mind, I think, well, if I say this and they're going to say this and I'm going to say this and we're going to say this, you're done. I can promise you, you're not going to go if that's your response. If God says to you, I want you to go to this person and, and say to them, I'm sorry, then you just need to go and do that. Don't worry about, well, they could say this, and I'm going to say this, and they're not going to say this, and I'm going to try to say this. That's, that's me thinking. That's old man thinking. That's natural thinking. If God says do it, you do it. He will work out the details. He says, trust me. He says, walk with me. I will provide. I'll be your defender. I'll be your provider. Walk with me. Look to me. If we don't, then we end up hitting the pause button. If we say, God, I'm not going to do that. I... I mean, I, I hear you. That's some all good stuff. I hear you clearly, but I just don't know that I can do that. I'm not sure I can take that step. I'm not sure I can do that thing. That is what causes the pause button to be clicked. That is what causes so many people to get to the place where they say, you know what? I hadn't realized it, but about six months has gone by. And I haven't heard anything from God. I just realized it's been that long, you might say. And I, I realize I've, I've kind of lost my passion too. I don't, I don't talk about him like I used to. I don't even, I don't get involved at church. I don't, I don't do anything. It's like I'm kind of in this bubble I just go through the motions. I'm there, but I hear people talk, and it just sounds like... <laughs> I'm at church. I'm there, but I'm thinking about football games and Walmart. And I'm, I'm in my bubble. I'm in the place where God is at work, but it's like I'm on pause. If that's the case for you, I would challenge you to think for just a moment. 
if your pause is not connected to some place back in your timeline where God gave you some good news, a calling and a promise, and you said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll do this other, but not that. I would not be surprised if your pause button isn't related to that moment. That just like Zacharias, you are moving along, serving him, walking in him, and all of a sudden he showed up and spoke something great to you. He gave you a promise. He gave you a calling. He gave you something to do. And you didn't do it. You said no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to stop that habit. I'm not going to change my ways. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to forgive. I'm not going to love. Whatever it might be. And ever since then, your life's been on pause in your faith. If that's been the case for you, then today is a good time to believe again. Today is a good time to unclick the pause button. Today is a good time to do exactly what God called you to do then. And when you do, it's going to be like Zacharias. You're going to all of a sudden experience your tongue gets loosed. Your mouth opens up. You get full of a joy and you get full of excitement. You say, God, I can't believe I've waited all this time. Thank you, God, for working in my life. Thank you so much. That's what will happen for you. Don't live in the parentheses. Don't live in the bubble. It's time to believe and be free from your silence. Amen? Here at Vertical, we are passionate for people to come alive in the Spirit of God. We're passionate for people to wake up to who they are in Jesus. We're passionate for people to live out their faith while they're lifting him up. And if that has been you, if you know there's been a time, then today is the time to believe again. Today is the time to commit again. Today is the time to obey exactly what he says. And to not wait anymore. Don't miss out on what God's doing all around you. He's going to keep moving. He wants you to join in with him. Would you bow your heads with me? There's power in, a, in taking the step. For Zacharias, there was power in the day he finally wrote it down. His name is John. He made public what he had believed all along. And now it's time for us to do the same. If there's something he's begun in you and you have refused to believe, then today is the day you say, I will believe and I will obey. In just a moment, I'm going to ask our counselors to come stand down front. It might be that today is the day you need to take the step to give your life fully to Jesus Christ. Oh, you've heard him. He's been calling but you haven't responded. Today's the day because you've, you're tired of living in the bubble. It might be that he's called you to even take the step of being baptized, to make it public, and you've said no until today. It might be that he's calling you to be a part of this church, and today is the day you say, yes, Lord, I'm, I want to be a part of what God is doing here. It might be there's some other area in your life that he is speaking to very specifically, and you just need to tell somebody. Our counselors are great at listening and praying with you. So this morning, let's let this be a moment like Zacharias. 
Not the moment that he says no, but the moment that he says yes. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you were merciful to Zacharias. I thank you that although he had said no, you showed him mercy until the day he said yes. And then you blessed him. And then you blessed his son. And then you blessed what came from beyond that. And God, there's things you want to do in our lives that are waiting on the other side of us saying yes. So I pray that whatever you've interrupted us with, whatever has come unexpectedly, that we will say yes to it. And even take the step of faith to make that public and say, God, I am saying yes to you. Work now as we respond to you, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I really hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope it has inspired you to lift him up and live him out. If you'd like to know more about Vertical Church, check us out online at verticalchurchovilla.com. We'll see you next time.